Hi listeners, welcome to Dismantling Injustice. I have to tell you, 2022 has felt like a long year. Not quite as long as 2020, but a lot has happened. For one, it feels like Eric Adams has been in office for a decade. And remember monkeypox? That was also this year. As the year wraps up here at Envision Freedom, we've been reflecting on some of 2022's highs and lows when it comes to the policy issues affecting our communities, in particular around issues of immigration and criminal legal system reform. So we wanted to walk through some of these successes and losses with you. And it's very likely that I'll miss something important, so I encourage you to weigh in on social media. We're at ENV Free Fund on most platforms. Here we go. First, this year saw the passage of the Stop Immigration Bond Abuse Act, or SIMBA, by the New York State Legislature. This campaign was led by us at Envision Freedom along with African Communities Together, and the bill itself was sponsored by Assemblymember Harvey Epstein and Senator Jamal Bailey, amongst others. This bill was the first win for the Break the Shackles Coalition, which is a partnership of over 60 organizations. So what does this bill do? It prohibits private companies from mandating electronic monitoring for individuals with whom they pay bond. That includes ankle monitors, but also tracking via phone apps. It caps excessive fees and charges on immigration bonds. Um, Generally speaking, private companies charge as much as $425 per month for individuals to, to basically pay for their own ankle monitors, which is insane. Um, And it also frees immigrants from deceptive contracts. Um, And I have super exciting news on this front. As we were preparing to record this episode, Governor Hochul signed the bill. So this is just an amazing victory for immigrant communities, especially for members of ACT who really spearheaded this campaign. So I want to thank the Break the Shackles Coalition and especially the directly impacted people who lent their stories, talents, and power to this campaign. Now, there are also some disappointing moments in our legislature this year, rollbacks to laws in place and bills that didn't get over the finish line that would have significantly advanced justice, safety, and equity in New York. I'd say that the election year was largely to blame for many of these bills failing to move, in particular with fear-mongering around safety and criminal justice reform. Democrats were often caught between a rock and a hard place, especially since much of the rhetoric was coming from the mayor's office right here in New York City. So, uh, you know, to start, back in March, April, we saw rollbacks to bail reform as part of the state budget process. Um, So as many of our listeners know, bail reform passed in 2019, but only a few months later, before the laws could even really take effect, they were rolled back by Governor Cuomo. This spring, we saw something similar from Governor Hochul, who further expanded bail eligibility, chipping away the 2019 reforms. Around the time that um, she proposed rolling back bail reform, we at Envision Freedom released a report that showed the ways that the bail reform had been transformative and life-saving for thousands of New Yorkers, um, allowing them to return to their families, jobs, um, and to get treatment. Our research also revealed that discrimination and racism was still alive and kicking during the pretrial process. 
Judges were largely ignoring a powerful provision of the new bail law that asked them to take someone's ability to pay into account when setting bail amounts, which are astronomically high. Um, Today, bail is averaging around $15,000. And as a result, more low-income people are detained in deadly and traumatizing conditions pre-trial at facilities like Rikers Island. And of course, Black and Latinx people were five times more likely to be incarcerated pre-trial than white New Yorkers. But we're still fighting. You know, we're gearing up for another battle during the upcoming legislative session where we expect further rollbacks or even a proposal to fully repeal bail reform. Um, And so we're, you know, we're already starting to get ready. We're already getting ready to take it to the streets, to take it to the governor's office and to really fight to protect um, the 2019 reforms, which by no means were transformative. But there's no denying that thousands of people were able to avoid being detained pre-trial because of the 2019 bail reforms. So stay tuned. Dismantling Injustice is brought to you by Envision Freedom Fund. Envision Freedom is a New York-based nonprofit organization that works to dismantle the unjust and oppressive immigration and criminal legal systems while meeting the critical and most urgent needs of individuals impacted by these systemic injustices in the present. You can learn more about our work by visiting us online at envisionfreedom.org or by following us on social media. Another disappointment was the failure of the New York for All bill to pass in the legislature. This bill would have stopped state and local police from conspiring with ICE by prohibiting them from enforcing federal immigration laws. Um, funneling people into ICE custody and sharing sensitive information with federal immigration authorities. It would also prohibit ICE and Border Patrol from entering non-public areas of state and local property without a judicial warrant. Um, This bill is important because it would help alleviate some of the fear that many families have of law enforcement. We already live in communities that are heavily policed. A simple interaction with the cops shouldn't end with deportation, but it does in many instances. We were really proud to stand in solidarity with the fierce coalition of organizations that were pushing for New York for All, um, especially the New York Immigration Coalition um, and the New York Civil Liberties Union. Uh, We believe this is just, you know, it's a common sense bill that must be passed in order for New York to live by its values and truly be a sanctuary state. Another bill that didn't move as expected was the Clean Slate Act, which would automatically clear a New Yorker's conviction record after a period of time, making it easier for them to get a job and an apartment and pursue educational opportunities. You know, there is widespread support for this bill, not just in New York, but across the country. So we're hoping that this bill will pass next legislative session. Two bills that we've discussed on the podcast before, elder parole and fair and timely parole, also did not um, move as expected. Um, These bills would reduce the jail population and reunite folks with their families and communities after they've spent years in prison. Um, It would also create avenues for rehabilitation, redemption, and wholeness 
um, for our communities with elder parole, an incarcerated person who's 55 years of age or older who has served at least 15 years of their sentence would have a chance to apply for parole every two years. With fair and timely parole, um, it would require that, that parole be offered to incarcerated people who are eligible unless they pose a risk that cannot be handled by parole supervision. These bills um, are two incredibly important steps um, to interrupting mass incarceration in New York. But again, we saw fear-mongering by media and political pundits take effect and stall the passage of these bills. We remain hopeful that um, they'll have success in the coming year due to the tenacity of coalitions like the Release Aging People in Prison campaign, who've um, really been fighting to get these bills passed for years and, uh, and you know, have become some of the most effective advocates uh, for criminal justice reform across the state. Aside from Break the Shackles, Envision Freedom Fund helped anchor another effort, um, the effort to pass the Dignity Not Detention Bill, which would prohibit New York's prisons and jails from housing ICE detention facilities. Within the legislature, this bill was led by Senator Julia Salazar and Assemblymember Reyes. The bill gained significant momentum this legislative session, and we're looking forward to reigniting the campaign next year. But you'll definitely hear more about this campaign on this podcast. So those are some of our successes and losses. Now let's move to what made us angry. And the first is the conditions at Orange County Correctional Facility, um, which houses an immigration detention center. The conditions inside are inhumane, egregious, just plain awful. We heard stories of um, inedible food, of medical neglect, of blatant racism, um, and much more from immigrants that um, were detained in the facility. This prompted those that were detained inside to organize a hunger strike to bring attention to their mistreatment, and it worked. They were able to gain the attention of elected officials from across the state um, and quite a bit of uh, media coverage. In particular, New York City Council member Shahana Hanif and Shakar Krishnan visited the facility. Um, they held hearings um, and they spoke out against the clear human rights violations um, at Orange County. But um, that's not where the story ends. Shortly after the complaints and the abuses um, started to gain attention, ICE abruptly decided to transfer 75 of the immigrants detained in Orange County to facilities outside of the state without notifying their families, attorneys, or service providers. ICE didn't tell them where they were going or even give them much of an opportunity to pack or make phone calls. People were essentially disappeared for a brief period of time. Many advocates saw this as retaliation for embarrassing ICE and um, the Orange County Detention Facility by publicizing their abuses. Now, since then, we've heard rumblings that more transfers are planned, but nothing has come to fruition just yet. But rest assured that we're going to continue to fight to close OCJ. No one should be forced to live in such conditions. And then, of course, we were infuriated and truly heartbroken by the deaths on Rikers Island this year. Every statement we released, every rally we attended was just one too many. Every death was one too many. I don't know what it'll take for policymakers, the media, for the public to realize that this, it's, this is a crisis. And we need urgent action from our leaders. When we talk about public safety, we need to include people who are incarcerated. Public safety 
And safety in general means safety for everyone. And it's very clear that Rikers Island is one of the most dangerous places in the city. I'd like to give a brief moment for us to commemorate the individuals we lost on Rikers Island this year because they're victims as well. Um, and so I'm going to read their names and we can uh, take a pause afterward. Tars Youngblood, George Pagan, Herman Diaz, Deshaun Carter, Mary Yehuda, Emmanuel Sullivan, Anabal Carasquillo, Albert Dry, Antonio Bradley, Elijah Muhammad, Michael Lopez, Ricardo Cruciani, Michael Nieves, Kevin Bryan, Gregory Acevedo, Elmer Robert Poindexter, Eric Tavera, Gilberto Garcia. 18 people. Of course, that's 18 too many. No one should die on Rikers Island. No one should die because a prosecutor and a judge decided that they need to be incarcerated while they await their trial. Um, no one should die because they can't afford the bail that's set. I'm hoping that, you know, we keep these, um, you know, these individuals in mind and that they inspire us to keep fighting for justice and to keep fighting until Rikers Island closes and until we really end the practice of pretrial detention um, in New York and across the country. So as we were producing this podcast, we record over the weekend, there was another death at Rikers Island, just adding a 19th name, a 19th victim to the tragedy um, that has just befallen um, folks at Rikers Island, but all New Yorkers. And so I want to add that name. The person's name is Edgardo Mejia. That's Edgardo Mejia. And let's give... Mr. Mejia, a moment of silence. So what keeps me fighting? You know, in 2022, it's, um again, as I began this podcast, I said it was a long year. And it was partly long because it felt like we were fighting all year in many ways. But, you know, it was worth it. It's, you know, I felt as though we've been fighting, but I'm not exhausted in fact, I'm ending the year uh, more energized than ever. What's been keeping me going? Um, what's motivated me? Well, first, in 2022, we at Envision Freedom Fund were able to help free over 120 individuals from immigration detention by paying their bond. This means that families and communities were reunited. Um, this means more people were given a fighting chance at surviving in the U.S., this means that parents are home right now with their families for the holidays. This means that we are continuing to chip away at the system. Obviously, paying bond is not the transformative change that we're working toward. But, you know, I, we, we need to be there to meet the critical needs of folks that, um, that are facing detention. Um, and so we're very proud of the work that we're able to do to help free people. We were also able to talk to voters from across the state about the impact of bail and pretrial detention on their communities. And 
We learn so much, um, but in particular, we learn that when folks understand what's at stake, they recognize the system for what it is, a failure, a patent failure. You know, I think that to the extent that we're really able to shed light on the stories, on the consequences, on what really happens to folks as a result of bail and pretrial detention, that um, we'll be able to win over hearts and minds. You know, we also witnessed the power of our movement when we came together far too many times to rally against the debts at Rikers and on behalf of folks like Tracy McCarter, who were criminalized by zealous prosecutors and judges. The last thing I say on what keeps me fighting is the resilience, the sheer resilience of New Yorkers from all backgrounds. The last three years, and I can't believe it's been three years, has seen our world turn upside down. Unfortunately, change hasn't happened as quickly as we'd hoped or anticipated once we rid Washington of Trump. But still, we've been resilient. We've made our fight local. We've found innovative ways of supporting one another, like through mutual aid projects. We've pushed transformative demands. We've begun to really model the world we want to live in by developing restorative justice projects and identifying, you know, our own community-driven conflict resolution processes. And we're starting slowly, but we're definitely starting to align around a collective vision for liberation. And I just, I have no doubt that all of this is worth fighting for. Thanks so much for another amazing year, listeners. I can't believe this show has um, been airing for almost two years. But we look forward to continuing to build with you in 2023. So until then, we're out. Thanks again for joining us. Dismantling Injustice is brought to you by Envision Freedom Fund, an organization that works to transform the immigration and criminal legal systems while meeting the critical needs of individuals impacted by these systems daily. To learn more about our work and donate, visit us at envisionfreedom.org. That's envisionfreedom.org. Dismantling Injustice was created by Sally Israel. Our executive producer is Abigail Wolf. This podcast is produced and engineered by Yassi Solutions and hosted by Carl Hammett Lipscomb. That's me. Special thanks to the team at Envision Freedom for being amazing. Until we're all free, peace out.